My guest today is Louise Tallon. Louise is the marketing director at Enthuse. And Enthuse is a digital fundraising software for charities. With Louise, we talked about, obviously, about marketing to charities, but we also talked about hiring and building teams. She went from a team of zero to a team of six in one year. And so we talked about recruitment and onboarding, and we talked about how to handle handle the pressure of being a CMO. I've had an amazing chat uh, with her. Her name is Louise Tallon. Hello, Louise. Thank you for joining me for this new episode of the podcast. Uh, guys, today I'm with Louise Tallon, who is Marketing Director at Enthuse. Uh, so, Louise, thanks again for, uh, for taking the time and uh, sharing with us here on this uh, new episode. Uh, before we start, could you tell us a bit more about yourself? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So, uh, yeah, I'm Louise. I've been working in marketing and communications for tech companies for about 15 years now. Um, and currently Enthuse, and they've been there just over a year actually. And they provide branded event registration, donation and fundraising pages for charities. And um, so that's really cool. Moved into the social good sector um, with Enthuse. It's something I'm really passionate about and I love that we're helping charities. And um, yeah, it's a fresh change. It's a new industry for me. Always moved industries, always moved around, always in technology, um, but always jumped around from one industry to the next. So I was previously in ad tech. Um, I've done PR for print companies before, um, so I've always, always been one to kind of to jump around different industries and, and have quite broad uh, marketing experience. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Thanks for uh, th- thanks for sharing. Do you, do you have um, you know? Could you share with us kind of the your top priorities for 2021? Like some of the things you you guys are working on. And uh, so I've checked Enthuse, and I, I like the I like the mission. I like the kind of the the I mean the purpose of the company. And uh, I, I see that it's growing. Uh, so what are the next steps? What are the milestones for you in 2021? Yeah, we've been growing a lot. Um, and I think partly that's because we're quite disruptive. We're different to what's currently in the market because everything that we create for charities is in their own brand. It's white labeled. So it looks like it's part of their own website, which is quite different um, to traditional fundraising platforms. So um, that's been great. But also, obviously, due to COVID, there's been a lot of um, need for digital transformation for charities. So when you think about how charities have normally um, kind of raised funds, it's been door-to-door cash collections or charity shops. And a lot of of that funding and that revenue income has been really badly hit. Um, And we've been able to help them um, kind of plug that funding gap uh, throughout the crisis. So it's been a real privilege um, working with 4,000 charities um, to help them. So from marketing point of view, um, I always think of marketing in kind of three different strands. Um, so for me, the brand is always everything. Um, it's really important that you have a brand that stands out, that's different, and you land on that brand and its identity and how it's different to the competitors um, by listening to customer insights. So when I first joined, uh, met, went out and met with um 10 of our biggest customers and almost had like a focus group with them right where I talked about their perception of the brand to date and 
Um, I showed them some kind of mock-ups of the new brand and stimulus and got their feedback on that. So we, we do kind of uh, focus groups, but we also do an annual brand perception study. So we're just rolling that out at the moment where we ask 100 charities what they think of the brand, what they think of our competitors. And then I use that to set the, the kind of budget for the following year, right? Um, but we're also always doing live tests. So um, there's an amazing Facebook group just for fundraisers. Uh, and it's, it's great because you can just listen to what they're saying about your brand. We track that every week. Um, and then we do social monitoring, obviously, and then we'll be running live tests on our website. So we'll be testing different landing pages, different messages. Um, so brand's so important because it's important in kind of building memory cells, creating emotional connections with your, with your customers, making you more memorable. Um, but it also helps with things like company valuations and employee engagement. So it's not just about marketing, the brand is everything. Um, secondly, you think about revenue, right? So marketing exists to, to drive business um, for companies as well. It's really, really important that you're driving that short-term growth as well as uh, brand effects. So we're always optimizing kind of paid media campaigns, product launches, um, being really focused on what the market wants. So we just launched a new product uh, called Virtual Journeys. It's map-based um, challenges, allowing people to run famous routes uh, in their own time, in their own way. And, and that's been a really successful launch for us. So we're always looking at the bottom line. It's really important. Um, and thirdly, we're always looking at insights and planning. Um, for charities, right? So we're going out there and we're asking donors, um, how are they donating? How's that changing? How are they shifting online? How's that different by different um, demographics? Would they like to take part in a, in a virtual marathon? Um, it's really about identifying trends. We're doing that on a quarterly basis as well. Um, so that's really cool to see how things are shifting because everything's moving so quickly throughout COVID. And it's just really important that we arm um, our customers with the right insights to help them do their jobs more effectively. So uh, there's a lot going on and we're hiring a lot of people as well. When I started in January last year, um, we had no one, right? I was the only person in the team. And then we've grown and we're six people now. We've got more plans to hire. So it's been a unique opportunity to build um, a team completely from scratch. Really rare that you don't inherit a team. Um, really fortunate to be able to do that. Um, so yeah, it's great to see the team blossom. We've got people who've worked in charities before, people who come from media agencies. Um, and it's really nice to build that. Although half of us haven't actually met each other, which is uh, quite a strange situation to be in. So yeah, we're continuing to, to double down on growth. And, and hiring more people that's that's great i um so if i can like like summarize the whole uh, the whole approach so this year focusing on brand which is like uh, one of the your key priorities uh re revenue activities so like a lot of uh, optimization and uh, conversion activities uh and the whole hiring thing uh with building a team and growing the team right if i th those are like the three big topics for you this year yeah, exactly. With insights being the foundation of everything. <laughs> yeah. Talking about insights, it's really interesting when you talked about the Facebook group where you have, is that fundraisers, right? So basically your, uh, your customers uh, are like in a group and you guys are just there to kind of gather insights and everything. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, it was set up by fundraisers originally. I think there's 15,000 members now of UK fundraising. Um, it's completely organic. It's not affiliated with Enthuse. It's just um, 
it's brilliant for word of mouth marketing. So I'm always monitoring what the mentions are of enthused, but also I'm looking at the kind of questions that they're asking. So for them, it's like a support group to ask other charities, okay, uh, what would you recommend as a donations page or how are you approaching uh, events throughout the crisis? What kind of things are you looking at? Um, so it's just a gift, um, to be honest, <laughs> to have that and to be able to just tune in and just listen, not interrupt the conversation, but just um, to monitor what people are saying is really, really useful for us. Yeah, Facebook groups, they, they are great because uh, people have the impression that no one is watching and it's like a private conversation and uh, like, because it's closed, so you feel like you're kind of in a safe space, uh, which well, you are, but uh, it's great when you're a supplier of anything because, yeah, you get so much data and insight uh, out of it. And uh, I recommend to everybody listening, find some Facebook groups out there, some Slack groups, Slack groups where you have some buyers, you have the your audience. Uh, it doesn't have to be... Uh, a way to recruit customers but just to listen and to to get like the trends as you said so uh, i think that's a great uh, great way to approach it um yeah and they know we're in there right so they'll say oh is anyone from g's on here can you help me so uh, it's a really nice community and that's what i like about the charity sector everyone's so kind and willing to help one another it's really lovely oh that's yeah that's great i uh uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, uh, do you have any kind of content initiative for that specific group? Do you kind of uh, do like uh, special deals for them? Or, I mean, I'm not talking even about conversion type of activities, but uh, really pure content like webinars set up for them? Or do you kind of share your, some articles or things that you, how does that work? Yeah, we're very respectful, actually, because there's a lot of rules within the Facebook group um, and they don't like vendors asking for things like customer surveys. Um, but we found other groups where people are a bit more open to things like that. Um, so we're, we're just respectful of, of the rules, really. But it's nice when we see our insights or links to events we're presenting being shared because we know that's valuable content and um, we're seeing people act on it. It's really nice. Awesome. Yeah, and yeah. actually a lot of the um, referrals to our website as well will come, they'll say, oh, I heard about you in this group. So we can actually monitor them coming through to the site and asking to us to set up a demo as well. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's really a, a great uh, thing to have allies within the group as well. So like cultivate some relationships with uh, not, not admins or anything, but people in the group that are kind of active uh, and supporters and encourage them to share things because... Uh, you know, it, it doesn't, it, it's not like, uh, uh, you know, they're selling it. It's just like they're sharing something valuable with the community. And uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's a great tip for people out there who want to reach communities and uh, kind of get, uh, you know, eavesdrop on, on what people are saying about, about your, you. And uh, uh, so, yeah, thanks for the, for the tip. Um, I want to talk about hiring because you've, uh, you've grown a team from, from zero to six people, which is, uh, which is great. And it's, it starts getting a, you know, six people for a marketing team, it's, it's, it's getting large. Uh, so how did you do all this hiring process like this year? Did you have a, a sort of, a, you know, an agency with you? Did you, how did you kind of manage all this process? <laughs> yeah, I have a really clear um, recruitment process. So the first round interview, I always do top grading where I go through people's CVs and I ask them about um, kind of, biggest uh, successes, why they changed jobs, um, what were mistakes they've made in roles. It's really important to find people who are honest about the mistakes that they've made um, as well as their strengths. So I always do that as a first round. Then we um, always do a task stage for second round, which is really good because um, you want to judge that people uh, can 
you know, it's really important that people convey themselves well in the first interview, but it's also really, really important to see that they can do actually do the job, right? Um, so it's skills-based and we want to make sure that they're when they come in, they're going to be able to, to pick up what they're doing very quickly. And the third round's always with our founder. And I think having worked in founder-led organizations, it's always really important that they buy into the people that are coming on board to their company as it scales. Um, because you're scaling that culture, right? So you're going from what was once one man setting up his own business or one woman, um, and that that's scaling, right? And um, they want to keep um, they want to keep the brand close to their hearts. So it's really important that they get um, a part in the process. But yeah, they've come from different um, routes. So some people uh, have worked with before. Um, some people have been recommended. Uh, some people have just applied via the website. So we we get a lot of people applying via the website, which is is really great. And we also want to make it a very fair process. So it's great to use your own personal network, but make sure that you're running a fair recruitment process. Um, so sometimes we work with recruitment agencies, or we'll be sourcing directly on LinkedIn as well, messaging people. Awesome. Uh, do you do you have any tips on kind of onboarding people in a remote environment like this? Because it's uh, it, I think it's it's very unusual for everyone. Like we we don't know how to do it. Uh, so could you share anything with us uh, about it? Yeah, it's really really tough one, isn't it? Um, so um, get into a rhythm of communication, I think. So we always have um, a daily stand up as a marketing team, and then I have one with the executive team with business leaders. Um, just to go through what we did yesterday, just touch base, say hello, uh, find out if there's any challenges we need to tackle. And then we always have an end of day update, but each of the team takes it in turns to update what they're working on um, that week. So for, for, for marketing, it's today, commercial, uh, Monday, so that, that we actually in more, in more ways communicate more than we've ever done. So we probably used to do a marketing update once a month for the company, and now we're doing it once a week. So um, in many ways, it's improved uh, communications. Then I think you have to have fun, right? You have to play. So um, like this morning, we did some icebreaker questions, actually. Um, I'm a trustee at a charity, and it's one of the things that they do when they're running um, one of their courses. But um, I basically uh, give people 60 seconds. I said, just go and grab something in your house that makes you happy. Uh, so they ran away and they all came back. And, and honestly, the stories that come out of those objects, it's really fascinating. And in many ways, I learned more about them in that, in that 60 seconds than I have done in a year. So make time to play. We had virtual Christmas lunch every Friday. The whole company gets together and has virtual beers, etc. Um, yeah, so it's really important um, that you're not, I think when you're really busy in a scale up, um, you can just be so focused on your work that you can lose um, that human element. And it's really important as a, a leader that you keep that up. Um, we also do onboarding decks for people as well, right? So um, I'll set out like, these are the people you need to know uh, within the business and get to know really well. This is who you go to for X, Y, Z. Um, this is me, this is my personality, like I, I'm really good in the mornings, I'm not so good in the afternoons, I'm an early bird. Um, I love going to big gardens in my spare time and drinking milky cups of tea, just so they get to know the, the human behind everything. Um, and then I set out clear goals for 30, 60, 90 days. Um, and also put a lot of links to documents, right? So this is our brand book, this is our tone of voice, just so there'll be those moments where you'll come on board and you'll think you're oh, not quite sure what to approach next, but there's a lot of kind of read time that you can have and there's always documents that you can access. Um, and we're still at a stage as well when people come on board, they actually meet with every single team just as a hello um, so they know every face within the business. So it's really lovely. So um, that does work well, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I, th I feel like it's, uh, 
It's about making time for doing the things that make work fun, but you know, on a, in a remote setting. So it's not as good, but it's still better than nothing, I guess. Uh, so yeah, I, uh, you know, it's. Um, I'm curious about how you structured your team because uh, six people. Well, it's it's for a marketing team. It it's, it starts to get a bit large. So how did you kind of organize the functions and? uh does do you have like a, do you have a structure or do, does any everybody has, has a kind of his own specialty or like how did you structure it yeah it's kind of structured in terms of brand and direct response so that's the most logical um way to structure a team in my eyes especially as i structure my budgets like that um and i wanted to make sure that we had a mix of people with different experience so uh, i went ahead of PR and content. I think that's such a crucial role in your first scaling as a business. Um, the organic PR that you can get and, um, you know, the, the earned media that they can get you is so invaluable at that stage. Um, so I hired Bill. He's come from November, a, a big uh, charity, and he's set up his own agencies as well. So he's got a real mix of experience. Um, and then I heard Sophie, um, who's come from media agencies. She heads up our direct response and product marketing. Um, so she's running campaigns for Google right across Europe and um, she's incredibly talented and really understands how to iterate campaigns and optimize um, different creatives, optimize different channels um, for highest effects. So I think once I had those two positions um, in place, could then enable them to go out and hire their teams and find people who are going to complement their personalities, their skill sets, um, but they're both very deep subject matter experts, um, or as I've always been a fairly broad in terms of corporate comms, brand, direct response um, experience. So um, I think those are the two kind of first critical hires, and then we've hired people to support them and enable them to grow as well. Awesome. Uh, interesting. I, uh, for, for people listening, I invite you to listen to the episode with Charlie Humphreys, who is uh, actually uh, at Karma, which is another UK startup. I mean, it's a Swee Swedish startup, uh, but mm -hmm. they, they actually structured their marketing team in a kind of similar way. And it was interesting how, how she described it. Uh, but uh, awesome. Thanks for, uh, for sharing that. Um, you talked about PR as being like a valuable asset. And uh, I totally agree with that. And um, you started, uh, from what I remember, you started your career in PR, right? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, long time ago now, it feels like. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a great way to start a marketing career because I feel like uh, it's, a, it's a skill set that not every marketer has and you can really build a lot on that and uh, uh, it can be a real asset to, to a marketing team. So can you share a bit with us, you know, what kind of, uh, you know, tips you could share with us on PR or how to train yourself in PR, kind of the resources or people, how people can basically, you know, uh, get to a certain level in this, uh, this specific discipline? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty rusty now because <laughs> I haven't done it personally for so long, but I remember training in PR and I think um, if you can train in an agency, whether it's a media agency or PR agency quite early on in your career, that will help you because you get to work on lots of different clients, so you get to understand different businesses a lot, you'll be surrounded by lots of uh, different people within the agency who can teach you lots of different things very, very early on, so I'd say that that's really good advice. I think 
um, any marketer should understand the basics of, of PR, especially if they're um, handling an agency, because you want to be able to coach and motivate them in the best way. And it is a unique skill set. You've got to think what's going to make a story interesting for a journalist. And it's quite often not what um, perhaps a CEO or a marketeer thinks, right? So um, I think <coughs> understanding that actually something might not be that interesting to the press, even if it's really interesting to you, is, is a good skill set to learn early. Um, I think always having insights and data is what really journalists love. If you can give them um, a very quotable stat that they can use with a breaking story, um, that can really help. So invest in insights, I would say, early on. Um, and for, for startups and scale-ups, uh, I think the founder story is really interesting to journalists. So understanding entrepreneurs, what makes them tick, how they started off their journey, how they're growing a business, especially how businesses are flourishing, flourishing throughout the crisis. So how are you doing that in such tough um, business circumstances um, is really interesting to the press. Um, but they, especially the UK press can be very negative, right? So you have to kind of lead with the challenge. Uh, what is the industry challenge? What's happening in the market? And then tie um, yourself in there. I think often people kind of lean on product launches and there's only certain um, sectors of the press who will cover that. And, you know, obviously for the trade press, that's really interesting. But if you want to go broad and get in nationals or broadcasts, um, you need to think about the bigger picture and what's going on in the world as well. Awesome. Um, I mean, it's kind of uh, just curious, like, do you have any tools that you use that you like and uh, with for PR that you could share with us or... Is it something that you, I don't know, like, uh, do you have any tools or processes or things that you use? Yeah, I think um, it's a great tool. Um, I used to use an agency, and we're looking at it again again. It's called Rapid Response. It's where journalists put out um, requests <coughs> with they're working on stories with tight deadlines. And that could be a really good way of growing your network beyond the trade press and your, your traditional contact list. So I think that's good. I think to have a really good monitoring tool in place as well. Um, as you start to get bigger, there's going to be more instances where there might be a crisis um, or might be more people mentioning you. Um, so you want to be able to track um, the good PR and the, the perhaps um, stories that might be brewing and that you need to keep an eye on as well. So to make sure you're doing that. Also have a good um, crisis comms um, like strategy and template in place. So have a document set up for tracking instances, um, know who you need to call in a crisis, so who needs to be involved and at that table when a crisis is happening, have a procedure for getting that set up and running. Um, start also start creating like crib sheets um, so that you have like a one page document that everyone in the business can use with your key messages, key stats, um, key business stats that you're authorized to use, especially as you get bigger. If you're a listed company, you can be fairly restricted in terms of the numbers that you disclose. So you need to make sure that they're really nailed down. You know what people can and can't say and that they're trained on that. Um, and definitely get people media trained as well, right? Especially people who um, perhaps haven't done that many interviews before, make sure they feel safe and comfortable and know what the toughest uh, question is that the journalist is going to ask and, and how they would handle that. Um, it's all a journey and, and people learn as they're going. But I think... Um, Corporate comms and PR is also very interesting from like an investor relations standpoint, right? So you can add a lot of value by understanding the messages that will appeal to future investors in M&A teams or venture capitalists. If you get across what matters um, to them and understand that as well, you, you become a more intrinsic value to the, the organization because not only are you running the marketing team, um, you can also understand investor relations and corporate communications, which um, becomes more valuable as, as you scale as a business. Yeah, uh, it's uh, media training is definitely something uh, that is, uh, is is super valuable and uh, 
uh, it's a great asset when you have people that uh, can actually you know uh, be great interviewees and guests in in a, on a team and uh, can talk about the business and actually sell it really well um, but i would have no idea how to train or like uh, i would probably like <laughs> because i've i've deal, dealt with that before and uh, uh, where you had uh, people from the team that uh, were not like uh, super comfortable you know just uh, talking in front of a camera or uh mm. and it was it was really challenging i remember to uh coach them through it when I, myself i wasn't uh, sort of an expert uh, you know so i wasn't really legitimate to to train them but i i was still like trying to coach them and it was it was a uh, was difficult i remember but uh yeah it's uh, it's definitely uh, something uh, to you know to uh, to learn when you when you're when you have a pr strategy and you want to actually get somewhere with pr well, once you have the story, you need to get someone in front of the cameras or in front of the journalists to, to sell it and then and make it uh, make it interesting. So that's a uh, kind of another thing that uh, we don't always think about when, when uh, you get the story out there. Um, awesome. Uh, and also, there's a lot of um, journalists as well, right? Who will do it for you, um, and I think that's really good. I think sometimes having someone who's um, not working in-house but as an external consultant um, perhaps can be a bit more probing and ask really tough questions whereas if you're the in-house PR or, um, or marketing lead it, it kind of feels more familiar and less intimidating to someone who's going through that process and in media training you hope to give people like the toughest interview of their lives because hopefully they will never get something that that is that um, kind of difficult and tricky but you want to give them the tools and the techniques to be able to navigate those questions. Yeah uh absolutely and it's uh yeah i think once you once you get comfortable with it it uh, gets really fun and uh i've never been media trained but uh, the the few times i've actually done interviews it's uh uh once you you know you get uh, comfortable with the story and you get comfortable with the person in front as well it's uh, it's really fun um i want to talk a little bit about about you as a marketer and uh it's uh you know it's great you have a lot of experience in different sectors you've, you've worked in tech but you had a uh, all these different uh, type of industries experience. Um, so, you know, what, what's the, what's your driver as a marketer? What do you like doing? What are the things that uh, excite you? You know, what are you looking forward to do in, uh, uh, in your job as a marketer? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know what, I've always loved marketing. I've been asked to move into other areas like product or commercial um, or HR, but I just, I would absolutely love marketing. I think it's the variety. So when I first started out, I did a degree in English. Um, I thought I wanted to be a journalist. Then I did a, um, some like work experience in the PR agency and I realized I quite like PR. And as I did more PR, I realized that actually um, I'm personally not the world's like best writer. And actually I really enjoyed things like events organization or corporate hospitality that was part of PR as well and the relationship building. Um, so that's why I moved into marketing. And I, I think there's a couple of things. The first that it's, it's so broad and so varied and you can go broad or you can go deep in one expertise and that's up to you. And secondly, it's business impact. Um, the role of the CMO or the most senior kind of marketeer at an organization can affect so many different areas. And I'm not saying that other um, disciplines don't, but I think for me, it's knowing that I can do everything from like help help the CEO inspire investors, internal um, employees, we can help our customers, we can help the product team to inform the product strategy. And I think, you know, just no, no, uh, no two days are the same. And um, that that's what I really like, I think, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I um, you know, I, I think it's a, it's an exciting job as well because you have you can have so much impact, but that comes with a lot of pressure as well. No, like you, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of uh, expectations, and uh, when you have a new CMO on board, usually like everyone is looking at them like, uh, you know, they they're gonna bring this new vision and like change so many things. And uh, how do you handle that pressure? I don't know. Do you do you share this insight or not? And how do you handle this pressure if if you feel it? Yeah, no, it's a good question. I think I think a lot of CMOs rush into businesses and they think, right, I've got to make my mark. So I'm going to come up with a new positioning and a new brand strategy. And um, sometimes it's not needed, right? You actually, you need to double down on the brand assets that you have. And that's something that's authentic to you. Um, it's something that's motivating to your customers. It's something different to what's um, going on in the rest of the markets. So you have to be really careful about that brand strategy and take your time to make sure that you get it right by speaking to your customers and not making assumptions. Um, so I think that's one thing. Um, become confident in your own ability. Get some quick wins. I think um, the quicker you can get the revenue through the door and show that marketing's working. And that's why I really like working in the SaaS business right now, because um, you can set a campaign live and the, the sales cycle is fairly short. Right. So within a month, you'll be able to track the success of that and see it going all the way through from top of the funnel. And they've downloaded a white paper all the way to to actually purchasing the software. And I really, really like that about this company. Um, that's great but also you have to set your own boundaries right so it can be really stressful it can be stressful being a marketeer it can be stressful working at a crisis it can be stressful working at a startup where there's lots of things happening and you need to prioritize um, but you need to set your own boundaries so first like be really careful um, in choosing the company that you go to make sure that they value marketing that they know and understand um, the power that it can bring and that they enable you um, but also be prepared to to spend some time switching off like I spend time with my kids I go for a walk at lunchtime eat healthy food you know take care of yourself as well and, and be prepared to kind of switch off at some points um, I think you know historically I've actually kind of burnt myself out in many ways by being on my email you know emailing APAC first thing in the morning at six o'clock when I wake up and then closing my laptop at 10 o'clock at night and it's not healthy um, and you need to be able to to set your own boundaries and, and learn that lesson yeah, it's, uh, you know, being able to walk away is uh, it's super important. And I, I loved when you talked about um, being in a company that values marketing. And, uh, and I feel like when you are CMO or marketing director, uh, it's really about the relationship you're going to have with the, with the management team in general. And, uh, you know, is there trust? Is there, uh, uh, is there patience on their side? Is there, you know, do they support you or are they just like waiting for you to make a mistake or whatever? Like it's, uh, yeah, I think it can be so different depending on how that relationship goes with the, with the leading team, I guess. Mm -hmm. You definitely you need to talk their language, right? So you need to think like a CFO. And I think um, I'm a real brand marketeer and I like to explain um, to see level how branding works and the impact that it can have and the long-term profitability driver that it brings. Um, but you also need to be able to to talk language of conversions, lifetime value, and you need to have that that tool set and kind of get yourself trained up in that as well um, to, to get the buy-in. Absolutely. Um, so that brings me to the question of, you know, what could you learn to sort of uh, be an even better marketer than you are today? Like what's the kind of things that you want to learn, things that you want to get better at? If there are any, you could tell me that you're, you don't need to learn anything new. 
but uh, if there are any, like, what are those those things, those skill sets that you wanna you wanna get? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, I'm always taking lessons in marketing. So, like, once a year, I'll do a proper course and get trained in an area that really, really interests me. So, um, last year, I did a course on behavioral marketing science with Richard Shotton. Um, that was incredible. That was during lockdown, and we did it online. It was two half um, afternoon sessions, but. From that, I learned a lot about our own marketing and how we can apply uh, behavioral marketing science to, to the Infuse website, but also how we can help um, our customers optimize their donation pages um, as well so that they can increase donation values and, and get the best uh, out of their digital fundraising tools. Um, but I'm always kind of reading academic literature. Um, I love the LinkedIn B2B uh, Marketing Institute. They're doing some really interesting things. Um, Facebook's latest client council white paper is really, really good. There's a great quote in there saying, you can't put pig on a lipstick. and. Uh, lipstick on a pig sorry uh, yeah. and that's so true about marketing right so you, you know if you don't have a great product if you don't have a, a PL that's in shape um you know marketing can only do so much it's not a sticking plaster you all have to work together um but yeah I, I do a lot um homeschooling takes up a lot of my time now so every second that I probably used to invest in myself I'm now investing in my kids but I think what I'm quite interested in next is um human psychology I, th I find that really really interesting and perhaps that wouldn't be a marketing course but it would be a psychology course um at some point I'd love to do an MBA and um, perhaps when the kids are a little bit older they're only three and, and five at the moment so it makes it a little bit different uh, difficult but um, I think also I've always been really interested in culture right and how you retain and nurture and grow cultures um, so um, anything around kind of HR as well is of great interest so actually in a funny way I'm not sure my next um, course that I double down on will be marketing but I still think it will help bring great value to the organization yeah it's uh it's funny how at some point you you kind of need to to be you know in order to be a better marketer you need to get outside of marketing and that's where like the magic happens and uh yeah it's uh yeah it's it's, a, it's actually you're the first guest i have on the podcast that talks about learning more about human psychology and psychology in general uh i think it's mm -hmm. a it's a great approach and uh i think it's it's not uh you know uh popular enough out there and uh, people are focused a lot about on tech and data tool and data and uh, you know uh, digital and stuff like that but uh, uh, I guess going back to the basics and learning behavioral science uh, psychology those, those things really matter and uh, do, do you have any resource on that like what's the course you took uh, on behavioral marketing that you liked do you have the name um I don't, it was run by Richard Shotton. Um, I can't remember the name of the actual course, um, but if you Google Richard Shotton, he's written a great book um, and he runs seminars and, and lectures for people. So, so take a look at that. Um, I haven't started specifying the psychology course that I'm going to take, uh, but I've always been interested in um, emotions and, and human behavior. So um, when I was CMO and really we were looking um, at emotions and video advertising and how you can engage people um, by using the, the right uh, emotions within within video ads uh, and the powerful impact that they can have so I found that really fascinating and I worked there a long time and learned a lot about that so um, yeah we are all human um, as much as the data can really help 
help and direct response campaigns are incredible. Um, you have to understand there's, there's someone at the end of, um, you know, the buying cycle, it's a real person, even in B2B environments, it's still human to human, right? So uh, you have to be able to engage people, but to be a brilliant marketeer, but also um, to be a good leader, you need to understand people and what drives and motivates them at an individual level. And everyone's very different. I think as a leader, you need to appreciate that and know that how you motivate one person will not necessarily be the same as the next. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for uh, for the, the insights. And uh, uh, I, it's time to wrap up the episode. I, uh, I, I think we're almost there. Yeah, we're almost done with the time. Um, do you have any, uh, you know, could you share with us maybe where we could uh, follow you or ask you questions or connect with you online? Yeah, sure. You can find me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Not hugely active on Twitter, I must admit, which is uh, my fault. But I'm just under Louise Tallinn on um, either LinkedIn or Twitter. So come find me. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Louise. No, thank you. Thanks so much.